And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, as well as the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other great podcasts like Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson. Now, Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and, more importantly, make it work. If you like any of these topics, you definitely want to go check out the show, How to Write and Deliver a Captivating Speech, How to Market Yourself into a New Job, How Design Can Help and Also Hurt Your Revenue, Creating a Social Media Ad Strategy That Actually Works. If these topics resonate with you, go check out Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. Today, my guest is Sophie Watts. Sophie is a global media executive with a focus on venture creation for A-list stars, including Mike Tyson's Legends Only League, the sports enterprise which in November of 2020 staged the Tyson-Jones fight, the eighth most profitable pay-per-view event of all time. Previously, Watts served as the president of STX Entertainment, playing an instrumental role in the company's formation and growth, including the establishment of the fully-fledged movie studio and both reality and scripted TV studios. During her tenure, STX grew from a startup to a multi-billion dollar media company that included several studios and secured capital from investors including private equity firms TPG and China-based Honey Capital, Tencent, the Chinese internet giant Liberty Global, the media conglomerate, and PCCW, the global telecommunications provider. Earlier in her career, she worked in music, film, videos, and programming in London. She moved to Los Angeles in 2007 where she was a producer and financier on film projects, including the award-winning documentary Bully and the NBC show State of Affairs. Watts has been named one of Hollywood's top dealmakers by Variety, listed in Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40, and featured in Variety's Power of Women Report, Hollywood Reporter's Women in Entertainment Power 100, and NL Magazine's Power List. She is currently the co-founder and executive chairperson at Metacurio, a leading creative studio for Web3, built and deployed an NFT Web 3.0 strategy, creative and distribution services for A-list talent and corporate brands. Within a year of launch, she positioned Metacurio into a fully-fledged studio, carrying world-class brands into the next generation of fandom, entertainment, and experiences. So we spoke about her come-up story. We spoke about how she grew STX Entertainment from a startup into a multi-billion dollar media organization. We spoke about financing, investing. We spoke about 
why she is so keen on NFTs and why they're going to go mainstream and how blockchain can realign how artists are protected and get paid. Uh, we spoke about fundraising in a variety of different markets for traditional media, for A-list talent like she did with uh, Legends Only League and also for the NFT company Metacurio that she's built right now. Uh, we spoke about the actual Mike Tyson's Legends Only League, what she did to create fandom and community around somebody like Mike Tyson, building an ecosystem and ownership around the artist's voice. Uh, basically, what she's done for Mike Tyson, what she's done for Dennis Rodman, what she's done to create this ecosystem and this fandom, uh, she does it at an incredibly high level with A-list talent, but she's going to unpack the strategy that she uses to build these communities, to build these campaigns and the marketing, the sales, uh, and the, the approach that she uses to get people um, excited and fired up about what that artist is doing. And what I hope you can take away from this particular podcast is that if you are a content creator, you can look at the strategy she deployed for Mike Tyson, for example, and you will unpack the lessons that she's learned, the strategy that she deploys, and you can use it for building out your own community and your own fandom in a very, uh, in a very niche or micro way, but still the, the levers that you pull and the steps that you take to create these communities are basically the same, whether or not you do it at a Mike Tyson level or you do it at a, a micro influencer, micro content creator level. And I'm hoping that's what you get out of it. So let's jump right into it. This is uh, Sophie Watts. She is the founder, CEO, and executive chairperson of Metacurio. Probably the most defining moment of my career uh, was back in London uh, in the early 2000s and I was working with uh, Madonna uh, live from Coco which is a quite famed music venue in, uh, in London and we were filming Madonna live on stage and at this point Facebook had just emerged, I'd just got this Facebook account and I typed into Facebook a post that said, oh, you know, we're, we're filming Madonna live from Coco in London tonight. And the evening came around and I got a call from a friend of mine in New York. Uh, and he said, I'm, I'm in Times Square, Sophie. And there are these big screens that are showing Madonna live from Coco. And I just read your social media, this, this Facebook of you, it's, you're on this thing called Facebook where you're talking about, is this you? Is this, I'm confused. And it was absolutely a moment for me as a producer and as a executive and as someone who had started as a runner in music film, a PA. It was that moment of streaming will change everything. Social media will change everything and star power, which in that instance for me was the power of Madonna to truly reach audiences globally, uh, would change the landscape completely. And that is what really kicked off the next almost 20 years of my career, uh, working with A-list talent and, and brands to protect those voices and find new systems to, to monetize them. And, and help me understand, so uh, STX, that was the company that 
you started, correct? Or you were you were an executive uh, at STX and you grew that over the course of the last 20 years to multi-billion dollars in, in revenue valuation. And that was that brand was focused on uh, working with these A-lists, correct? Yeah, so my, so my half right, yes. STX is a... I try, I try and be half right at least. No, no, no I love it. It's better than a quarter right, which is, which is usually me. Uh, STX is a movie and television studio that focuses on working with A-list stars to produce premium content around their voices. Uh, I was president of that, that company for... Uh, nearly a decade, about eight years, from inception of, of just two employees to what later became a company with a uh, several hundred, several billion dollar valuation, uh, with investors including TPG, Honey Capital in China, uh, Liberty Global, PCCW. But prior to that, that company, that star-driven uh, studio vehicle. Uh, I had worked in music film back in in London, and these were the days when people bought DVDs in their local store, and you could buy Beyonce live at Wembley as a DVD in a store. Uh, and I did many hundreds of those live music film uh, projects back in in London, uh, and started as I as I've I, I've mentioned when Napster came along and iTunes came along, it was a true moment that you realized, oh, the DVD is dead. This is all about how the star connects with their audience. And the way audiences want to connect is in the most seamless way possible. And so I took all of those A-list musicians I'd been working with in London, Beyonce, Eminem, uh, uh, Madonna, Elton John, Mariah Carey, and started saying, if these A-list stars are being caught in a system where the record label at the time had not embraced streaming, what would it look like if you were to build a movie and a television studio that did embrace global relationships and did embrace streaming and almost realigned the model so that you were building with and around that celebrity talent instead of building around the value of the brand of Disney or the brand mm -hmm. of, of Paramount. So, so I this was this, the... That, this was 2007, packed a suitcase, moved to Los Angeles, knew no one here, uh, and that started the next 15 or so years of my career, nearly a decade of that at STX. Uh, uh, and that kind of led to my career now, which is very much about how do you embrace Web3, mm -hmm. decentralized models, again, working with A-list stars or A-list brands uh, to empower their, their voices. So, so I love it. And, and like that, that thread that you that thread that you discovered when you went on social and you saw that and, and then your, your friend saw that billboard in Times Square and you're like, oh, my God social and streaming that thread of, of creating venture and creating value and and augmenting the talent's voice versus the brand's voice that's something that you've doubled down on again and again and again and that's what you're doing now that's right and for me it's a 
there is a reason if you're Jennifer Lopez that you're Jennifer Lopez. I don't believe on a core level that you've lucked into decades of global success. It comes from a true idiosyncratic voice in the marketplace, an understanding of your audience, obviously, you know, gifts and talent that, that have very few matches in, in terms of what you're doing. But intriguingly, media systems aren't necessarily built to empower those star-driven voices. I look at that and say, why is a movie studio really not built around the voices of these talents that reach their audiences, that speak a certain uh, a voice that has no rival in the marketplace? Why would you try to build a company that has a brand that can rival that of an A-list celebrity? Why would you not simply back that piece of talent and protect those voices and build systems and infrastructure to empower and better monetize those voices? Uh, I grew up in a world in which you know, I was watching movies in, in the 90s. It was the era of Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts, and true star-driven eras of, of, of movies. To me, all social media has done is heighten the power of those artists. But how do you financially align yourself to help support the artist in, in building that brand? And as this has evolved, you see that artists now take more more power over their own careers, and I guess they're less reliant on these third parties because you found ways to create value, and you probably better serve. And you can tell me this, but I, I feel that I know the answer. You better serve the fans because it's now you're creating things that the artist believes and backs and and wants it and wants to create in the world. But also, this is stuff that is hyper targeted for the fans. It's not. Uh, it's not from like a publicly traded entity that has to keep their investors and their shareholders happy that you would have to, you know, maybe it's conflicting um, goals if it's a, a studio or an agency versus um, versus the actual creator or the talent. But now that the talent's creating things that their fans want directly, is that more or less the benefit? And this is what you're enabling, right? Yeah, it's exactly that. And it's it's you nailed the question perfectly, which is. As a fan myself, it doesn't really matter to me if I'm watching a concert live or if I'm seeing it streamed or if I can buy merchandise for it or if I can engage with that artist on Instagram. I'd like to see a music film. I'd like to see the documentary. I'd like to see uh, uh, the live action movie. For me, there's, there's less of a distinction in between is this a movie or is this a live show than it is to say this is about fandom and culturally building uh, systems around the voices of those artists. This is only possible because of the advent of technology. The fact that a Ronaldo can, excuse my slightly yappy dog, no worries. Uh, the fact that a Ronaldo has 400 million followers on Instagram and can directly communicate with 400 million fans, which to contextualize is more fans and more social media followers than any Premier League soccer team in Europe. In fact, more than any of the British soccer teams in the Premier League combined 
in Same. one individual is wild. So I look at that and say, is the value here the league or is the value here the player? And if mm -hmm. it's the player, why does the player not have their own premium content arm and merchandise arm and digital content arm and branding arm? Because that individual has stronger and more engaged fans than any large scale entity in the world. For me, how do you support that? And and after after STX, so you you this is a focus of yours, um, and it and it's it's continued through your career. Now, after STX, were you working with people individually? Because uh, I know that you also founded Metacurio, but I know that's that's probably later on in your career. So I want to understand, like when you worked with like when you worked with Mike Tyson, for example. I want to understand the play. So you work with a creator. And, and where do you take them? Give an example so people can sort of quantify it. You work with somebody and you create this and you create that. And do you find investors into that project? I want to understand the deal flow because you can take somebody like Mike, like Mike Tyson. That's the, the one name that is like a very, a huge name that you've worked with on. I think one of his, uh, in 2020, it was like one of the most oh. profitable pay-per-view events of all time that you worked with him on. But when you take that, how do you decide where to take that and how do you facilitate taking that person and creating this this uh, community and, the, and this content and all these projects around that person? So I'm a big believer in taking the voice of an artist and not trying to reshape that voice and not trying to give notes on that voice, but mm -hmm. taking the clear branded relationship of fandom and building a world around that. With Mike, I was introduced to him in early 2020. Uh, there were rumblings of COVID happening. Uh, I had just left SDX. Uh, and as those rumblings of, you know, what's happening in the world, uh, I went on Mike's podcast purely because I thought, what a, what a global brand, an icon in his own right, it's a kind of fun story to tell my family that I've been on a podcast as, as you know, this, this woman from England, I'm on a podcast with Mike Tyson. This is a cool story. And I sat with him and realized very, very quickly uh, that Mike is, or certainly was, in a quite unique situation in which, as a traditional movie or TV play, he's a boxer. So as someone who ran and built a movie and TV studio, how do you engage with someone like Mike? Because he's not an actor, he's not a producer. What do you do with him? And on the flip side, if you're on the sports side of the world, you look at Mike and go, well, he's one of the greats, if not the greatest boxer of all time. But I can't hire Mike as boxer because he's retired. What do I do with this? He doesn't fit into my model as a sports league or as an agency or as a promoter. And as I was talking to him on this podcast, it became very clear that he was a prime example of a global voice, a global brand who could be really effectively monetized and empowered if you built a system that was outside of these legacy traditional media plays. And for him, what that meant was, what if you're not sports and you're not entertainment, but you're sports entertainment, what would that look like? 
And we started having a discussion of, well, what if we started not a boxing league, not a media league, but what if we started a sports entertainment league with you, Mike, where it was about engaging as many fans as possible, reaching as many people as possible, making it fun and watchable and a family-oriented event, but sports is at the core of that. What would that look like? And it was kind of amazing for him to say, well, what you're really talking about is an exhibition fight, doesn't go on my record, I'd like to do that, but let's program as part of that live event, let's program Jake Paul because a much younger demographic's gonna love that. Let's program Jake Paul as a boxer. And let's program Snoop Dogg as a commentator because it's fun and it's entertaining and it'll make people laugh. And let's program Snoop to perform because you'll get that kind of 90s group of women, not a traditional boxing audience, showing up to relive and have fun listening to music and a live show of entertainment. So we programmed really a a, a night that was filled with music, with sports, with exhibition fights in November. And that live event, which had no audience because COVID had kicked in at that point, no audience live from what was then the Staples Center, now crypto.com, was a pay-per-view event that streamed globally, broke all records for an exhibition event, but it also reached younger demos, female demos, an older generation of boxing fanatics who were seeing this icon, Mike Tyson. But as part of that, we had a docu-series that talked about the live show. We had merchandise that built this sports league for him. And so what you end up with is not a one-off media play, but almost venture value of a sports entertainment league that is repeatable. I am a huge believer that stars should own equity, should have upside in their own voices and their own success. So whichever artist I'm working with, this is not about a one-off movie check or a one-off live event check. This is about owning half of a business that owns all of the IP associated with that brand. It would be like giving an actor true equity, true shares in Netflix. That becomes a game changer for you financially and puts you in control of your own fandom and your own relationships, as you should be when you're an icon of that stature. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, baking a pie, taking candy from babies, both things that are theoretically easy, but anyone who's ever made a pie from scratch or attempted to pry a lollipop from a screaming toddler knows that these things are in fact very difficult. But you know what is easy? Integrating, automating, and scaling your business with HubSpot. The HubSpot CRM platform seamlessly transforms customer data into usable insights like what's the average time it takes us to respond to a customer service request and how can we get better at it? The HubSpot Service Hub brings all your data and support channels into one place so your team can spend less time hunting for information and more time delighting customers. Plus, seamless connectivity with marketing and sales hubs means every person on your team has a crystal clear picture of your customer. Easy as HubSpot. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. Incredible. Now, that's quite um, that's quite a, a thing to orchestrate. And obviously, that's going to be a ton of resources. And just thinking through it from a, a business perspective, 
I, I don't know this world, but it seems like what you're doing that has translated into the largest pay-per-view event of all time is not something that has been done many times before. The way that you think about a uh, creator owning equity in their own success, and then I can, I can definitely see how this is going to dovetail into Web3. But when you create this, you're creating this and this concept and this model of fandom virtually from scratch like it's 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 probably not something that is replicated many times over so when you try and build this out and i'm assuming you try and raise money for it right how does that process look how do you quantify the the roi on investment into something like this it's a brilliant question look each artist whatever their venture may be has a different business model clearly the most efficient way to build a company is, and I'm always a builder of disruptive companies where, and I want to be clear here, on some, on some hands, it's wildly innovative and forward-thinking to build a company around a piece of talent. On the flip side, this is what Disney does for any media property that they own. You would never make a Star Wars movie if you weren't also making a Star Wars theme park ride and Star Wars tours and at toys and The Mandalorian as a TV show. There is a world, almost an atomic community, whether it's Pixar or it's Star Wars or it's Eternals or it's Marvel. Disney does this better than anyone else in the world under that Disney banner. So these micro ecosystems are not a new thought. It's that we're replacing the IP, a Star Wars, with a living, breathing, moving, idiosyncratic voice in a star, a Mike Tyson. And when it comes to building it from scratch, whilst you're building the company from nothing, you are leveraging, in Mike's instance, 18 million people on Instagram alone. You're leveraging a global fan base that has lived with this voice and this icon for decades. You're simply taking that voice and monetizing it more efficiently. So in that instance, would you fund the company or would you be deeply conservative, as I always am with, with investors' money, mm-hmm. and fund a live event and then have that event roll back as revenue into the company? Of course, because you're diluting yourself less, you're maximizing your reach, and you're putting yourself, much as you would if you were a startup with VC banking, you're putting yourself in a position where your ROI is pretty extraordinary for no risk. So that is how we traditionally build all of our joint ventures with talent. And certainly when it's come to Web3, the basic technology of decentralization automatically reframes how to reach and monetize those audiences, initially through NFTs, but in a way in which you can truly segment audiences and community and fuel that community consistently. And so let's let's talk about, let's because as you're building this out, so when you were building this out for Mike Tyson, you did not use NFTs. This was something that was probably evolving as you were building out this entire this entire campaign for him. But now, I don't know where it stands now. I don't know if it's it's completed or if it's ongoing. But as you created uh, Metacurio, 
this is going to facilitate exactly what you're doing for for Mike, but probably at a much uh, larger and more scalable model, right? Is that sort of the goal with this? It's exactly right. Medicurio was designed, you know, there's a really interesting black hole in Web3 right now where I will never pretend to be someone who understands the deep uh, tech plays of blockchain or how protocol functions. I'm not a technologist in that sense. And on the flip side... You don't side, want to be. <laughs> and on the flip side, I go... Well, historically, I've taken traditional Hollywood models and, and inverted them so that they better protect and support the artist upon whose name you're really greenlighting a movie or building a company. So I started looking at Web3 and really it was, it was a slew of phone calls that I started receiving from different pieces of, of celebrity talent calling saying, you know, Sophie, you've made us lots of money over the last 15, 20 years. But hold on, I'm reading the New York Times and there's some guy called Beeple. Is that what it is? But there's some $69 million transaction. And like, I really don't know what it is, Sophie. But why is someone making $69 million and I'm not? And that for me was a real wake up call of oh, who can provide solutions for celebrities in this space? And as you look at the Hollywood, appropriately at the Hollywood studios and the Hollywood talent agencies who are traditionally a kind of gatekeeper for, for working with and engaging with that talent, those studios and agencies correctly are not built to understand Web3. They don't need to be built to understand it. They want to take the check from it. But you're a centralized business model. You're never going to live and breathe blockchain like a Web3 OpenSea or a Ripple or a Binance is going to do. On the flip side, these Web3 companies have never worked with a global multi-billion dollar walking, talking brand. You don't understand necessarily creative or how to build marketing campaigns you probably shouldn't have to. So the theory of Medicurio was, what if you built a platform agnostic, sits in between Hollywood. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, 
through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn Jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn Jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. 
Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. And traditional decentralized marketplaces. And what if it was a Web3 studio that exclusively signed the biggest pieces of talent in the world and handled everything about pulling that talent from traditional Hollywood into a Web3 space? Bless you. Oh, thank you. That I got trans- that. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> That has translated about a year since inception. We have over 70 client relationships, including Mike Tyson. We've done three NFT drops with Tyson. And here's a perfect example of how, as a company, Medicurio educates artists in the space, but handles the creation, the production, the marketing, the community management, and ultimately brokers the distribution for NFTs and anything associated web, with Web3 for those clients. Mike went from a fairly reasonable uh, sized drop with Corey Van Loo, who's a prodigal digital artist in the space, uh, to six months later, that sold out in a week. Six months later, Mike sold his Binance group of NFTs uh, about two weeks ago in early April. Uh, he had 24,000 people show up on Twitter spaces within a minute. That NFT collection sold out within 84 seconds. Uh, he truly has a community that for the first time ever, he can clearly segment and clearly reward his community, his fans in a way that's appropriate. That that's a big future for celebrities. What do you think traditional institutions are going to do when they realize that the stars don't need them to make money anymore? It's a really interesting question because, and I am asked this all the time, what happens to the agent? What happens to the manager? And I am a deep believer that an agent who has a world-class piece of talent is the best at anyone in the world at maximizing how much their client is going to make. And I'm a big believer that a big piece of talent has a manager to help shape decisions in their career. I don't think those teams of people around the talent are going anywhere. 
I think truly they're the best in the world at protecting their talent and we want them to be there protecting talent. The shift will be less so with talent teams and talent partners than what we've seen in the broader media landscape, which is mass consolidation of media giants. We've seen Netflix's stock plummet given its numbers and its subscriber base dropping. We've seen discovery and massive, massive consolidation. We've seen a very small handful of streaming giants emerge as dominant players in the market. What that's left is the behemoths, and the behemoths are going nowhere. But the behemoths are not incentivized to drive technological change. You are rewarded by being bigger and spending more money and being a volume play that has no competition. And I'm excited that those buyers exist and dominate the landscape. But what it has meant is that there's an extraordinary space for forward-thinking disruptors to enter the space and build aggressively because those independent players are disappearing on a daily basis. That is, and I'm an optimist, that is a real opportunity for new disruptive thinkers to step into the space and build aggressively with forward-thinking technologies like blockchain. I do not believe that will come from these monolithic giants. It, it will not. And I think you actually touched on an interesting point. Even the, the behemoths who are doing well, you look at Netflix, that is a behemoth that did disrupt Blockbuster, and they hit a ceiling on their TAM. They hit a ceiling on their TAM. They didn't diversify their revenue streams. And regardless of whether or not you diversify the tech that you introduce into your organization or to your customers, or you diversify just your thoughts about marketing, sales, anything like that, Netflix went down 30 points and lost $200 million because they didn't they weren't forward-thinking enough, even though they're considered a forward-thinking company. So you have to move and iterate quickly. And even even Metacurio, the, the, the version you have of it today, you have to be cognizant that it. I think it has to always evolve and take on new things and figure out how new technologies can serve existing communities. And I think that because you're doing it now, you just can't lose sight of that in 10 years because then there'll be somebody else that will displace you. So it's what you're saying is not wrong, but it's smart what you're doing now. It's just all, all, I think that, I think you can never let, it's like a startup thing. You can never let the drive and the ambition and the way that you look at the world and solve problems as a startup, you can never let that leave. You can never forget that and think like that. It's always, I can't remember who said this. It's like, always think like it's, you know, day zero or day one. I think it's probably Bezos actually who said that. Like you always have to think like that. You have to think like you are thinking day one, even when it's day 5,000. But very That's interesting. Exactly. Right, you have to certainly in, you know, and I hear this all the time, NFTs are so far along, it's too evolved a space for me to understand. I can't stress enough, this is the beginning of Web3. And right now, it's almost designed for people, unless you live and breathe in this protocol space, it's so complicated to understand. I have to say, on the flip side, if I walk down the street outside my house and I asked any person, how does the internet work? I would highly doubt that they can answer that. I couldn't answer that. But they would understand how to use Google 
and how to type something in and to have something pop back at them, that will be the transition point for, for Web3 and for blockchain as a broader concept. Less so how the technology works, but how as a mass consumer can it work for me in a way that is palatable and not scary and digestible and is consumer friendly. We are not there yet. We are in the very, very early days of what this is, which is exciting, but as a result, you have to be ready to pivot on a daily basis to not only capture those opportunities, but to protect people in the space. Do you find that, you know, you mentioned a, a point uh, before that, which I also thought was interesting, and you've been in the space for so long, so I thought it'd be notable to touch on. You mentioned agents always protect artists and they're the best people to protect them, but but does do they really all the time? Do they really always have the best interest or will a platform like yours actually create a safer space for some people that may not have the best people around them? It's a, it's a brilliant debate. It depends how you define protecting the artist. You know, inherent in an agency model is that you're taking a percentage of what your client is earning. So if you define protecting talent as uh, protecting the amount of money they make, of course an agency and an agent is going to do that better than anyone else because your job and the way you earn money is to get the maximum amount of money for your client. Mm -hmm. Is maximum guarantees for your client always the best thing? Maybe, maybe not. I certainly know pieces of talent, big pieces of talent in the Web3 NFT space who have taken minimum guarantees for an NFT drop and have had no upside in the long-term value of that NFT. Is that a good thing for the talent? You've certainly made much less money than you would have if you'd backed the long tail of an NFT strategy, but your money's in, in your pocket. So mm -hmm. who's right? My answer is always, what does the celebrity, what does the piece of talent care about? What do they want? My job here is not to convince a piece of talent to go one way or another, because back to our earlier point, there's probably a reason you're a piece of talent of that stature and that caliber and that reach. You probably know your brand and your team better than anyone else. So let me empower that and protect that. And some of these pieces of talent no longer have talent agents. I would, I would support that as well. It's whatever works for that piece of talent. I just want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Swag.com. Now, you know, if you've ever received a corporate gift or swag in the past, how many of those gifts did you actually keep? Probably not many, which is probably because the stuff that you got was not so great. I've gotten uh, like a lot of stuff from trade shows and from companies in the past that I've just thrown out the second I get it. So this is why you need to check out swag.com. I've been on the receiving end of getting garbage gifts. I've also worked in companies where I only had access to a really, really small inventory of stuff that I wanted to give my customers and my employees, and I knew that it wasn't gonna resonate. I knew that it was gonna suck. So what is swag.com? Well, it's like swag upgraded. It's the best place to buy custom gifts and swag that people will actually want to keep. So they sent me a box because obviously they're sponsoring the show and I wanted to see what it's all about. I, you know, I've worked in businesses. I want to make sure that the quality of their stuff actually was up to my standards because I can tell you right now 
that when I get garbage, it goes right into the trash. It like it really goes right into the trash the second I got back from the trade show or the conference or whatever. So I received one of the custom swag boxes from swag.com. I loved the unique packaging, so it was a beautiful unboxing experience. Uh, I love the actual products they sent me, and there's a whole bunch more that obviously they didn't send me, but the stuff that they did send was absolutely beautiful. It was very high quality, and I can only imagine that if I actually got this when I was working for companies, I probably would have actually used it. And to be honest, I'm going to start using them for people that work on my show and in my company as well because I know that this isn't just... Uh, a novelty gift that somebody's going to throw out. It's stuff that they can actually use. They have so many unique and customizable gifts that I've never seen anywhere else. They have custom yoga mats. They have custom Apple AirPods. They even have branded kayaks, which I did not know was a thing. So they carry all these premium brands like North Face, Yeti, Nike, and more. And it's all customizable with your company's logo or artwork. So you're even able to create custom swag boxes full of great branded items, and then you actually deliver them in a custom unique box. Uh, with swag.com, they take care of all of your swag at their warehouse, and they ship it to individual addresses. Or if you prefer, uh, you can just send it to a bulk location in one single shipment. It's easy to manage uh, from their online portal, which you obviously get access to. So if this is something that you think would benefit you. If you have clients or customers or a team and you wanna go the extra mile and you actually wanna give gifts that people appreciate, which is the whole point of giving these gifts in the first place, go to swag.com uh, for the perfect swag and custom gifts. Right now, they're giving everybody who's a Success Story podcast listener a special offer. It's 10% off your entire order, but only when you go to swag.com success and enter promo code SUCCESS10. Remember, for 10% off, go to swag.com slash success and use promo code SUCCESS10. And when you launch one of these projects, I'm curious about the strategy that you use to market it and to gain attention. Obviously, you have the reach of the initial individual and the talent, but what are the strategies you deploy to make sure this is a winning campaign or, or a winning launch that may be different from any traditional campaigns that you would have run to promote a movie, for example, what what avenues, what mediums uh, that you have to sort of target and focus on? That, that's kind of interesting, actually, because I've always marveled at how a traditional movie studio spends tens of millions of dollars annually, if not more, on a billboard on Sunset Boulevard about the Chateau Marmont. And, and I truly look at that and go... How could you spend $100,000 a week for a billboard that maybe 10 people see, maybe 10,000 people see, but you have no understanding of whether they see the movie, care about the movie, engage in the movie, in a landscape in which you can so hyper-target audiences. Traditional studios aren't built to do that, and traditional marketing campaigns aren't built to be efficient you're rewarded and incentivized for doing things the same way. That's the great joy of this space. You take a Tyson or a Dennis Rodman. In our instance, we took Rodman, who's a client of ours, who again, uh, this is not about my feeling of what audiences would connect with or what I feel would be good for him. We on a very granular basis say, 
What is his audience base statistically, analytically? What do they care about? What comes back is, well, they really care about the bulls, and they really care about his fashion, they really care about his hair, and they really care about his clothing. At which point you say, well, let's reverse engineer into that audience. What if we were to do an NFT collection that's about what he's wearing, what his hair looks like, how he's engaging as a fashion icon? Let's respect what his target audience cares about and deliver what they care about. So the creative is very much uh, in respect of and deliberately targeted to to market to and engage with what his fans want and care about. So we're instantly entering the space with something creatively that won't disappoint his audience. And that's really important to us. We're not going off brand here. We're respecting and elongating the brand. And then true to this space, community arenas, whether it's Twitter spaces or Discord, are enormous market movers for NFT buyers. We we curate those communities. Uh, we have specialists come up to talk to those communities. And marketing is done as native social advertising, all organically. We don't pay for any advertising. So you're really honoring and respecting his inbuilt fan base, which is the entire purpose of what Web3DAS is building atomic networks that you can scale as a whole. That is radically different to, I mean, the quarter of a billion dollars of marketing spend that I've overseen at, at movie studios. It is almost the exact opposite. But it's, it's, it's funny because it's actually what good marketing looks like. Even if we took the, the, the Web3 component out of it, the fact that you want to understand and to communicate with an audience in the way that is authentic and is and is exactly the way that they expect you to communicate with them i don't it's funny how that doesn't seem to it's not common sense that's the way everybody should market even if you had a quarter of a billion dollars that's the way you should still market it's so, exactly correct but if you're yeah. a big executive at a studio you want it to be your taste and your vision and your mind and your marketing because that's how you justify your big outsized paycheck. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Manscaped. Now, us men know that we need to trim, we need to manscape so we don't have an overgrown mess. But I doubt you're doing it properly if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your grooming is incredibly important. These products are so good, it's gonna do wonders for your health, your hygiene, and your confidence. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The package I recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a hair's worst nightmare. The trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. In the performance package, you also have the second best tool, the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure that your nasty nose hairs are completely under control. Outside of those two tools, you also have the Crop Preserver, which is a deodorant, and the Crop Reviver, which is a spray-on toner. Remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the Success Story podcast code, R code 
20success at manscaped.com. Remember, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code 20success. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate hair and grooming tools from Manscaped. Yeah. You know, listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are going to be pissed off with with what you're doing. In a good way, in a good, very good way. I think you're you know, you're using tech, but the way that you the way that you the way that you market, the way that you build this business and this business model and all the forward thinking ideas that you incorporate there's a lot of people that you could put out of work and out of business if if you do this at scale. I guess that's the goal. That's always the goal. Well, Scott, I will tell you, when I showed up in my mid-20s and said I'm going to build a movie studio in Hollywood, uh, I cannot tell you the number of people who thought I was a complete lunatic. Uh, well, that's a I good sign. I, historically, you have to... You have to respect existing legacy systems, but common sense is undervalued in this space, and I'm a big believer in in common sense. I love that. Um, and and give me uh, just give me some examples of this of the things that creators and and talent can do when you think of a new campaign for them. What are the different things that you could do for somebody? Because I want to take the things that you're doing with talent, with A-list talent. And I want a smaller creator to also think through different ways that they can try different things with their community. Because of course, if obviously not at the same scale, but still there's different ways to replicate at a smaller level that I think you could leverage Web3 NFTs for to give certain access, to get to do certain drops of certain things. So what are all the scope of things that you've tried to do or that you think you would ever want to do with an A-list talent in Web3? So look, right now, we're certainly feeling the transition from static NFTs, even with iconic photographers. There's the great debate of if there's no utility built into this NFT, why am I buying it? Mm -hmm. And I inherently believe that to be true. When you're, as an emerging creator, as a creator who's understanding the space, as a big celebrity uh, in the space, it's always to me about authenticity of your voice and brand and respecting that authenticity. And I do believe that's undervalued as a whole. We're in a landscape in which certainly with decentralization, truth and honesty is critical to what you're doing. And that is sustainable and self-syndicating as a brand because people know what they're showing up for if it's authentic. At Medicurio, when you're buying an NFT, you should be unlocking, and certainly are, even in the Tyson or Rodman instances, you're unlocking physical utility. So we sold a one of one where you can go and spar with Mike Tyson that sold for about 400 grand. We have a partnership with a company called Render, which uh, is a physical object that is basically a printout of your NFT. So you have physical merchandise that could be a physical key to unlock a physical space that mm -hmm. you can visit, uh, whether it's an artist studio or it's their, 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 their creative workspace. You're then interacting with that star. Maybe you can use that physical key, which is also a digital asset to attend a concert. Maybe that live concert is an excuse to get a free hot dog from the venue Maybe that free hot dog also unlocks a VIP experience. 
to me, building utility on top of NFTs to build true fandom is the ultimate win in this space, whether you're a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar walking brand or you're an emerging creator, that ability to truly understand and build fandom and reward your loyal fans uh, with experience and engagement, that is just a game changer on almost every level. And it's exciting for everyone. It's exciting for the fan, but it's certainly exciting for the creator as well. I love that. Um, and, and I guess last question before we do, I want to do a couple of rapid fire to close this out. Um, what, what impact do you see yourself having? What impact do you want to have? It could be at a micro level in your category and industry or at a macro level. What's at this point in your career, your, your vision and your passion? I, I, I'm probably uh, still too English um, <laughs> to, 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 to think that I could, you know, it's that, that English uh, uh, humility where you're kind of embarrassed to talk about uh, having any impact or meaning. I've spent my entire career wanting to and believing that art is one of the most powerful mediums in the world. I think that ability to shape the way people feel, the way people engage is, is critically important, certainly in a time right now that's a really complicated moment in history. Everything I do is designed to try and empower and build upon and respect that art, whether it's NFTs or it's movies, whether it's book publishing or it's live music film, my hope would be that any of my JVs, any of my companies, any of my talent relationships, Medicurio, uh, are infrastructures that help artists speak to their audiences and engage with their worlds and make people feel good. Ultimately, if it can help people feel happy or excited or laugh or cry or build a sense of community, that's what I hope to do in my life and career. Incredible. Um... Okay, where should people reach out to you if they want to connect? Is socials, website, all of that? They should ping us on Twitter at Metacurio NFT. Okay, perfect. Do you have your own socials you want to send people to as well? Or just is that the main one? Uh, that's the main one because it's never about me. It's always about what all we right. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's no problem. Okay, um, let's go through a couple of rapid fire. You, you don't have to rapid fire through them, but no, the I point is it. there's a few of them. Okay. Um, what keeps you up at night now? What keeps me up is the pace in which the world is moving. And there are such tremendous opportunities in front of us in media, in blockchain and web three. And I'm conscious that I've, I've built a system that's designed to protect the artist. I want to ensure that we're moving fast enough that that art is always protected. Good. Very good. Biggest challenge you've overcome in your personal life? How, what was it? How'd you overcome it? What'd you learn from it? Uh, it's a macabre answer, actually, which is uh, that I have put less focus on my family and relationships um, than I should have in a pursuit uh, for, for work. And ultimately have learned that I've missed some great and critical moments in my life as a as a result of that 
It's, that is, that's tough. That's a tough thing to come to realize, but I think it's an important lesson because you're, you're still very young in the grand scheme of things. You can definitely uh, fix things and, and do things differently, but it's a thing that's always, a, I think that's the first victim of success in any field. It's friends, family, relationships, children, spouse. It's, those are the things that you don't spend as much time on. So I think it's a good note for people that are trying to build something or to create something. Uh, you have to pay attention to that. And I do ultimately think, you know, it, it's Francis Ford Coppola's statement where he said, in loose terms, you know, I, I, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to say that I said yes to loving everything and engaging with everything and feeling good about everything. And I'm not going to sit there thinking about how much money I made. I'm going to sit there thinking about my grandchildren and my family and my wife and my home and my yeah. beautiful view and be grateful for it. Um, if you had to choose one person who's had a major impact in your life, who was that person? What did they teach you? My mother was a deeply entrepreneurial uh, record executive. She was the first employee at Virgin uh, Records back in the day in London. She taught me uh, to protect art. She taught me uh, that it doesn't matter how successful you are, kindness is more important than anything. And she taught me uh, to be good to people. And I, I will forever think of that. If you had to pick one source, it could be a book, a podcast, it could be anything that's had an impact on your life that you'd recommend people go check out. Uh, look, I'm a I'm a music uh, I'm a music fanatic and a movie junkie. Uh, I, I consume almost any form of art on a, a, a really rabid basis. Um, so it would be tough for me to pick one thing, but I will also say uh, that I am a trained classical pianist. Um, you throw a piece of, of music at me, and I I find it quite moving. So. <laughs> I would say the piano changed my life in lots of ways. If you could tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Go for it. Stop worrying. Good advice. Always good advice. Timeless. Um, and if you could, uh, last question, excuse me. And if you had to define success, what does success mean to you? That's a big one because um, it has changed over the years and at its root, um, I think success is happiness, and I think happiness is wanting what you have. And when you've when you found that, you should hold on to it. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. 
There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 